Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here with Stone Payton, another episode of Georgia State University's Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute radio show, Stone. We've had a busy last couple of weeks. We've been in Arizona. We've interviewed the founders of some of the biggest companies on the planet. Are you going to drop some names before we I get I thought going? you would. I was setting you up. I don't remember them as well as All you right. do, but I know that they're like really important people, and That's I know that they're nice people. And uh, yes, we've gotten to interview the founder of the Rich Carlton Hotel. Do you remember that guy? I do remember Morris that Strongsy. guy. I produced that show in studio. It was like sitting in on an MBA class of customer experience. And then when we were in Arizona for the Conscious Capitalism event, uh, we got to interview the Whole Foods founder, Container Store founder, Motley Fool founder. Wow. Big week. <laughs> it certainly was. Last week, you were out a little bit toward just the- Just yesterday. It was just yesterday? Yes. Man, It just seems like it was a week. Well, I want you to know this, the, the business did extremely well yesterday okay. in your absence. And we had the leader cast, folks. Yes, we did. And that's going to be fun. And Sanjay is going to be, uh, our, one of our producers is going to be attending LeaderCast on this coming Friday. So, yes, it's been a whirlwind tour the last week or two. This is going to be no exception. I love coming down here and broadcasting live from Georgia State University. First up on the GSU ENI radio program, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast part-time instructor with Georgia State University ENI, Mr. Andy Goldstrom. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, Andy, um, your day job is you work with mid-course advisors. Tell us about your work there for a minute. Sure. Um, I have experience in the real commercial real estate space. I was part of two Inc. 500 companies. So I work with service providers to real estate uh, owners or tenants who need help selling better and operating better. And basically, I've scaled a couple of companies to great success and help others do the same and try and avoid some of the mistakes I made along the way. There you go. And then part of that uh, learning you're trying to share is through uh, being a part-time instructor here at GSU. Yeah, I'm trying to... Uh, being part of startups is part of my background, and and um, and I have educational uh, family members who are in the educational field, and I was inspired to try and uh, work with some of the younger folks. And I think one of the things that I bring to the table is a lot of uh, anecdotes and experience that are relatable to the academic part of what they're trying to learn. Right. So it's kind of the the scar tissue of the real world. Absolutely. <sighs> Now, what classes do you teach? I just teach one class. It's um, the introductory um, uh, startup uh, thinking and foundation class. For the ENI? For ENI, it's called 3101, and it's a project-based class, which is fun because it's, it's, it, it's real world. They actually have to go out in the world and actually test their hypothesis to see if it's something worth pursuing. And if they want to pursue it and put a business plan in place, then they take the 3102 class. <laughs> so now when they come into the class, uh, what are some of the things they think they know that you got to kind of help them broaden their thinking maybe? Sure. Uh, well, I think they're no different. I mean, um, these are young students who are typically juniors and seniors 
19, 20, 21 years old, and they have uh, very modern ideas about technology and the way to consume things that, frankly, um, you know, I'm, I'm a generation older. So I have a lot to learn from them in that regard. Um, and their conceived notions are based upon their buying habits. But it's not about them. It's about what other people would want and demand. Um, and so by them seeing a gap in the marketplace and then actually trying to validate it with others using a, 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 a lean analytics approach, um, they're able to really get some feedback. And the key part about the whole class is really being able to make pivots as you learn along the way and be able to validate those. And then, uh, frankly, learning how to present and sell and the development of the kids in, in, uh, in my class this, this semester towards the end in terms of being able to present because it was a competition at the end of the class was just amazing. Just to see their progress and their confidence uh, was, was outstanding and re really enjoyable. It must be interesting to watch them kind of have an idea and you say, okay, let's try to validate this idea. Because everybody's idea in their head, it seems perfect, right? And yeah, then, I, I, and now you got to start looking for potential customers and say, "Hey, what do you think of this idea?" Right. And so, then, so it's broken into a couple segments. First, they have to identify if there's an actual problem to be solved. You know, is there a pain point or something that actually is worth solving? And then, is their solution actually something that will make it work? And then, can they actually have a business model and a revenue model that actually could be sustainable? Right. So. Um, a startup is actually um, uh, an, uh, a fledgling entity that's just meant to prove a business model. Right. And a startup is fragile. Like there's uh, saboteurs around every corner for, you know, because you can have the best idea. Like I have, <laughs> I was down in Florida. My dad's 94 years old. So we have some caregiving issues there. But there's a friend of our families who's starting a business that's kind of like Uber for seniors. And so he's going to help a senior, you know, get their stuff, you know, to be the transport for this person in, at a doctor's appointment, say. But he he wants to only charge $25 an hour. And that's just the math of it isn't going to work over time. Yeah. Well, what we – you have to take a holistic approach. And what we teach is not to ask people what they're going to pay. It's to model what will work for you. And then test it. Right. So that way you know it's going to work uh, if if people validate it and you're not undervaluing or underselling yourself and cheapening exactly what you're trying to do just to get some traction. Right. I bet the pricing part's kind of a tricky one for a lot of people to really wrap their arms around. Well, you have to look at your – you can't be in a vacuum. You have to look at what – there's competition anywhere. <laughs> You know, it, what, what's separating your 30s or 40s, actually trying to open your own business. Those are key, you know, blocking and tackling. Right. It's activities. doesn't matter what age you are. You right. still have to go through the same process. Well, and some of the, you know, the reason 90% of businesses, small businesses and startups fail is because people don't get customers soon enough, early adopters, um, and they don't have the team that can actually implement it. Right. And that's kind of one of the challenges is at first you need the early adopters, but ultimately you need kind of the people that aren't early adopters if it's going to sustain itself. Yeah. If you watch any of Simon Sinek's work, um, he has the, the power of why mm -hmm. 
he basically talks about how the first once you get the first 15 to 18% of early adopters in that kind of category the momentum can, the momentum picks up and other people adopt some people are just never going to buy because they they they're never the first one to buy the iPhone right the new iPhone right. um so you have to get a certain amount of momentum and in the Inc 500 companies I was with um, it wasn't just me, it was other partners with me. Um, we were smart enough to actually have some early adopters where we had some success and they became our best salespeople, frankly. Now, when you're doing this kind of teaching, um, since your background wasn't teaching, it was doing the, you know, being the entrepreneur, how do you translate kind of your um, work, kind of uh, the way that you do work to teaching other people? Was it different? I'm used to presenting because I've sold uh, complex services throughout my career. So I'm used to getting up in front of people and constructing uh, presentations and giving presentations. And because this was more of a project-based course, not just an academic course, I wasn't lecturing the whole time. I was the facilitator. Um, and they had homework that would help um, provide the foundation for them, reading, videos, other things. We discuss them in class, and then we'd apply them. And because of my background, I was able to apply them. And because I'm kind of an enthusiastic guy in the classroom, and I'm very engaging, I got the, the, the students to really uh, engage in the class and the project. And I, I've gotten, fortunately, I've gotten very good feedback. I've, I've learned a lot as well along the way. Now, you've had the uh, opportunity to travel around the country, I don't know, the world, too, uh, with your business. Uh, how do you see kind of Georgia State's entrepreneurship program uh, compared to other ones maybe you've run into around the world? Sure. Well, I've traveled all, all, all over the world. Um, I, Other than the Inc. 500, I, I was a global director at Deutsche Bank, and I had teams reporting to me in New York, London, Frankfurt, and Singapore. So I made it around the world quite a bit, um, and the cultural differences were what was neat in getting that global experience uh, when I did that. Um, the reason Georgia State is unique is its diversity. The kids are not, the, the students are, come from varied backgrounds. Um, none of them was born with a silver spoon in their mouth. A lot of them are here on grants. A lot of them have had to overcome some adversity, and they have grit. So in the classroom, you've got kids from, you know, different parts of the world, different demographics, um, and they've all had to overcome something. And, um, and um, it's different than, you know, and my background, my parents divorced when I was 12. I had to kind of become independent on my own. I've never been given anything, and so I kind of, understand you can relate to this I can kind of I can totally relate to what mentality they, right yeah and you could see it in you could see it in the classroom come out in different ways and and uh and um you know this school as a whole has you know exploded based upon you know it's the number two innovative school in the country according to u.s news and world report this department is growing fast. We've got over 300 students taking classes in, in entrepreneurship and it's continuing to grow. And I think there's a demand for it. And, um, and, um, and companies in Atlanta want a diverse population with kids with good attitude and grit. And I think, um, there's certainly other good entrepreneurship programs in the, in the, in the area and I'm familiar with them, but 
I think Georgia State definitely has something to offer. Now, what about just conceptually the idea of an entrepreneurship um, program in a, in a university? You think that's a must-have in today's world? You have to have at least the entrepreneur mindset. Um, yeah, I, well, certainly it's becoming popular. Um, you know, 95% of businesses in the country, and it's about the same in Atlanta, are small businesses less than 10 people. Seven, that makes up 75% of the working population. So a lot of people are in small businesses and they have to start somehow. And um, so, you know, there's, there's definitely a need for that. Um, most of the kids, most of the students in, in, in our entrepreneurship classes may not just start a business right out of college or in college, even though some have already. Um, the idea, I think, is to give them the, the, the idea whether they, you know, go and work at one of the bigger companies in town or a tech company or a more established company in town to actually still have that entrepreneurial mindset. So that they, when they're trying to introduce a new product or service or enhance one, they still have the need to validate it rather than just sitting in their cube. And, you know, but there are plenty of them. There are a couple of folks, including the one that uh, I worked with that won the business competition at the school that, you know, are trying to launch, you know, are in, in interested in launching their products. One's a, an instrumental app um, that's used for YouTube that won the competition. It's called No Vocal. And there's another one called um, Tall Order, which is a, a all-natural cocktail mixer. Now, um, has going through this experience and being a teacher has that impacted your business at all? Uh, it has. I think um, it gives me credibility because at the end of the day, I'm coaching people to try and improve. And so, if they've seen that I've been teaching, they see that. Uh, I'm able to apply it in a university setting that I've been qualified by them to be able to do that. Um, uh, it only helps. And can, can you share the most rewarding part about uh, being a part-time instructor here at GSU? Um, I think it's just the engagement with the students. I've, when I've, that light bulb goes off. Yeah, I... I to see what it was like the first day when they couldn't even spell entrepreneurship till the end of the semester where they were able to actually, you know, really sell themselves and sell their business concept um, was just huge. And, and I tell everybody from, you know, I tell anybody, I, Jennifer Shearer runs this group. Um, I've told her and I tell everybody I run into that I, I've gotten as much out of it as the students have. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed and look forward to every time I teach. Um, and and uh, it's been a great experience for me. So now, And I'll be teaching in the fall. You're coming back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now um, when you're going about your work in your day job and um, you have now this kind of perspective of helping the young people um, – when you're giving your presentations, is there anything that's happening in your mind where you're like, Am I, is this like a, can I, can I use this in the class? Like, is this a good uh, learning opportunity? You know, like, are you, are you kind of now seeing your work from the frame of I'm an instructor here and what's usable in the classroom next semester? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things 
I've always tried to do is stay in touch with people and connect with people and try and help people, not just ask things of people. And um, one of my friends is Michael Coles. He happens to be on the side of the building of, you know, his name is on the side of the building at KSU. Right. And it doesn't matter whether it's KSU or University of Georgia or Emory or anything else. You know, everybody wants to help each other out. And Michael's a very accomplished man, uh, very nice gentleman. Um, he has a new book out called Time to Get Tough, which is a great read. And uh, he um, came in and spoke to my students. We created one whole class where he came in and oh, spoke wow. to 30 students. And he's a luminary. I mean, this was a big deal. And the students thought that this guy was like Bruce Springsteen or, you know, <laughs> or, or, you know, in, in, in their, you know, or, you know, in their terms now Beyonce or something like that. And, and he just, you know, he inspired them, you know, I, I, he overcame great odds too. You know, he, 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 um, his father declared bankruptcy when he was a kid, he lost his dog because his parents couldn't afford to keep it. And he had to fight and work from when he was young and accomplished great things. So his story really resonated with them. And it's one of the reasons I really like him. He's a humble guy and an accomplished guy and a good guy. And you're coming back next uh, semester for uh, more. I am. I'm either, it's still to be decided, but I can either teach the same class or the 3102 class, which is the, you know, the, the, the business um, planning part of the class and depends upon, you know, where the needs are. Obviously, the 3101 is one I know pretty well now. The 3102 will, uh, I'll have to do a little bit more work, but it'll be worth it either way. Now, um, what do you think of having more entrepreneurs kind of give back and, and teach like this and share their wisdom with young people? You think more entre- entrepreneurs should kind of inquire about this? Uh, absolutely. I think one of the ways that this department has grown is having the uh, this department is a little bit different in that it has um, more more uh, staff and less faculty um, because they're trying to Jennifer's new and they're trying to grow their concept here um, and they brought in more part-time instructors for a couple reasons one is to have some flexibility as they kind of grow this thing and the second thing is to bring in some world real world application and mm-hmm. so um, you know, I, I, there's a balancing act because there are a lot of really good um, professors in this department and in this university who have PhDs. I don't have my MBA um, who are required to do research and are very important to the accreditation and the status of the university. So you have to have that. But um, they also value really good business experience and, and being able to bring that to the students and being able to connect people to, to um, you know, others in the real world, so that they can, uh, so that they can bring more funds to the university, bring in more learning opportunities for the students, and and uh, and grow the programs here. Well, it sounds to me like they're blessed to have you, and it sounds to me like you're blessed to have them. I think it's uh, sounds like a marvelous union. Keep up the good work. If someone out there would like to get in touch with you and have a conversation with you in general about whatever they might be able to do to contribute to young people and help them think through this entrepreneurship mindset or entrepreneurship mindset, 
or if they want to talk to you about other stuff, is, are there some coordinates, a LinkedIn? What, what's, what would be appropriate if someone wanted to reach out and visit with you? Sure, they can certainly find me at LinkedIn on LinkedIn at Andy Goldstrom, G-O-L-D-S-T-R-O-M. Um, I have a GSU email address, agoldstrom at gsu.edu. I have a Midcourse Advisors email address, agoldstrom at midcourseadvisors.com. And uh, I have a cell phone, 770-633-2260. Well, Andy Goldstrom, thank you so much for sharing your story. Keep up the good work and keep us posted on your progress, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Hey, go stay go Panthers. Go Panthers. Stay with us. we got one more guest we're going to visit with. All right. Next up on GSU ENI Radio, we have with us owner and CEO with Angel Assistance. Please join me in welcoming to the show. Miss Savannah Samples. What'd you think of that last segment, Miss Savannah? Hello. Um, that was awesome. Actually, I took the 3101 class a few years back um, when I was considering changing my major for the 12,000 billionth time. Um, but I really appreciate that class because I learned about value proposition and how to build a business model canvas, which I wasn't aware of before any of that information. So at normal colleges, I wouldn't have had access to that, learning that real world information. Um, so I really appreciated it. Yeah. Well, before we get too far into things, Savannah, tell us about Angel <laughs> Assistance. How are you serving folks? So we are a family assistance service. Um, we do anything from child care to animal care, grocery shopping, laundry, dishes, organization, um, pretty much anything but um, deep cleaning and doing life for you with mm -hmm. your actual hands and feet. Mm -hmm. um, I realize that a lot of people have babysitters and nannies, um, but a lot of the moms that I nannied for before starting my business needed help beyond just the kids because they would get home and they'd be like, the sink is full of dishes. I'm just off work. I have a full-time job. Being a full-time job, full-time working mom and being a full-time stay-at-home mom at the same time, like trying to balance both of that is crazy because um, two-parent working households is very common now, unlike back in the day where it was the father worked and the mom took care of the home. Right. Um, so just that extra hand and not helping either the mother or the father feel so overwhelmed. So now you, you said something that was interesting to me. You said you nannied before yes. you had your kind of company. Yes. So you didn't look at nannying as a company? Um, I, there are companies out there that do nanny agencies and stuff. Um, however, but you were a nanny. Yes. Like that was your job. That was my job during school. Um, I, st I started as a nanny, um, and I just realized that there are a lot of people that do nanny um, that just need to go one step further and have that push to go one step further. If we've created a um, credible business that's like we're here to serve you, mm -hmm. but also I can take care of my employees at the same time, that was kind of like my light bulb for me. Right. So you were the nanny is the activity. So you're look, creating a company for people to do nannying and other assorted yes. services. So it's like nanny 2.0. It's kind of right. like nanny and beyond. So now, so you, and you found the problem when you were being a nanny, you were like, there's these other services. Since the person's there anyway, they can provide additional services. Yes. So um, I actually worked with a mom that had two businesses of her own. She mm -hmm. was an entrepreneur as well. Um, and she had no time and she just started asking me kind of to do a few more things beyond childcare. That project creep you got to experience yeah. firsthand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she was like, you know, 
Um, I grew from two families to working for 12 families, 60 hours a week and going to school full time. Wow. So I didn't sleep for a year or two. (laughs) Um, But she kind of put that nugget in my head of, hey, you know, you could really start a business doing this. And I grew up like Andy, kind of humble beginnings. My family went broken when I was like about eight years old. Mm -hmm. So that'll leave a mark. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, which I mean, I had a great childhood. I don't want to say I didn't, but we did struggle a lot financially. Mm -hmm. And, um, I knew when I got to college, it was me. Like I didn't have, couldn't call my mom and be like, Hey, can you buy me groceries? Or like, that wasn't, it wasn't even an option. So, um, when, once she implanted that nugget in my head, I didn't even think about entrepreneurship. And then I was like, Oh, right. I am a hard worker. I could really do this. So what, what do you think caused that mental shift? Right? Like most people, uh, especially young people, it's almost ingrained in them, get a job. I'm going to school to get a job. And then at some point something clicked where you're like, well, I can create my own job and I can kind of make my own path and make my own rules. Yeah. So I read a study a few years back that the most stubborn child is the one that's usually the most successful. Um, And I have three siblings and I would say I'm the one that went on the least expected path, um, especially with Georgia state um, because it's the city school and, you know, um, my parents are more like Mercer and Barry and places like that, more private, um, private and more in a rural environment rather than. Yes. We're from a very small town. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm sure to my parents, they just saw danger, danger everywhere. Right. But I, I've always kind of followed my own path. So I just felt like that's where God was leading me. And I just ran with it. I'm very like, if I feel like it's right, I'm going to do it. That stubbornness, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I've never been like crazy. I don't think I've ever been like crazy stubborn, but I've always used it to listen to myself versus everyone around me. Mm-hmm. So now when you decided to kind of, okay, I'm going to flip the switch here. It's not going to just be me doing all this work for all these people. I'm going to find people. And then I guess you make a piece of the action from, right? You help find them opportunities. Is yes. That your service? Um, so we have like a percent compensation pretty much mm-hmm. through services, but the hardest part of being an entrepreneur is finding good, valuable workers. You and figured that out too. That was, yeah. You, you <laughs> thought I'm a good worker. I'll find more people like me. Exactly. <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard. Um, I found me. Yes. And I didn't think my issue would be finding employees. I thought it would be finding clients. And it's really the other way around. Right. We have like a waiting list mm-hmm. of like, we really want an angel and it's stressful. It's a good problem to have. It's still stressful. And, um, like, it costs hundreds of dollars per angel we hire. They can go two weeks and like, we're like, no, I'm sorry. This is not the job for you. Cause we're very selective on who we hire since we work in home. And right. all I've had kids for four or five years that are like my kids or like my little siblings. So it's like, I'm not going to let a random person in the home with these babies that I've had for years. Um, so that process of hiring takes weeks and it's a process. It's pricey with time and money. Right. And that's what maybe the employee doesn't understand that. Yes. And a lot of people think, um, unfortunately, my generation, just got to say, is lazy most of the time. Um, and most people think it's a babysitting job. You can sit on your phone, be on social media all day. And we put our phones down when we walk in the door and pick it up when we leave. So it's like the only time we're looking at our phone is really for business or for our clients if they have to contact us. So we're constantly moving. Like it's not it's not a lazy job. And I think people just expect to be like, oh, I'm watching kids. This is easy. So no. <laughs> so now, um, do you have a training program? Do you Is it better to find someone who has no experience so you can train them to do it the right way or somebody who's done this and maybe has bad habits? 
Um, I have experience with both. Um, one of my top angels, Kai, she didn't really come from uh, this field. And I kind of trained her. She had like family, nieces and nephews and stuff. Um, but, or she has a nephew, but, um, she didn't really have experience. We kind of, she kind of trained from scratch, which was great. But we also have another angel heiress that was in the education field here at Georgia State. Mm -hmm. So she kind of had background with childcare and stuff and she's doing great as well. So it's kind of like, you never really know. Um, I don't really consider the background when I'm hiring them. Um, It's more the attitude. Yes. Now, I would imagine if you can plug into the education program and get these aspiring teachers, that's a kind of a built-in. Yeah, workforce. I'm actually in the education program mm-hmm. here, <laughs> and that's a whole different story, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not even going to tap into. But I did find her through that program, and that was the highlight of that program. <laughs> so now, uh, what what compelled you to take a, an ENI class? Um, when I started my business um, is when I think that you. Um, he and I was getting up and going at Georgia State. I've been here for a few years. <laughs> but um, that when I started my business, that was when I was like, you know, I feel like I need to know a little bit more. Um, I learned a lot from my clients because we have a lot of clients that are entrepreneurs themselves. Right. So they kind of mentored you a little bit? Oh, man. Yeah. I had like so many families, which I would love to think. I have so many families I love to think. But um, um, Sarah and Thomas Cyphers and then Sarah and Russ Richards were my main two families. And then Amber Luter is the mom that I was telling you about that owns her, two of her own businesses. Um, I just went to work and whenever they were at the house, I just asked them questions the whole time. <laughs> I'm sure it was so annoying, but I was like, I have got to get this information people that have been doing this for years right. because unfortunately, until classes like this came around, even beyond these classes, you don't get a lot of the information. So people like this that work in the entrepreneur field that come back and educate is like, to me, is like, oh, thank God, because you would not get this information otherwise. Right. And you can ask them questions that they have went through. Yes. And I am a pick your brain, like professional. <laughs> if I go anywhere and I know someone's name, I know where they've been. I'm like, okay, so how'd you do this? How'd you get started? And I'm constantly asking why, which when I was younger, my parents said I used to ask questions all the time. I was like the why, why, why kid. Um, so yeah. So now, um, when you decided, okay, maybe this is a business. I know I can make money. I can be successful, you know, dealing with 12 families, you know, that's viable, but it was probably exhausting. Oh, and yeah. you said, okay, I'm going to make a business. What was the first clue that you were like, you know what? This could work. I might be able to pull this off. Um, when I had my first full-time angel and started seeing money, I could afford all of my expenses without working another job, wow. um, which I pulled That's up Mark a big... Cuban and used some student <laughs> loans for my business startup. Um, but yeah, that was the first. That was a milestone where you're like, okay, this could work. Yes. And then I actually got a business coach through Georgia State, um, Gordon. He's the founder of a company called ThinkShift Mm -hmm. um, a few months back. And I've been having meetings with him and having people that believe in you is important. People around you that believe in you and support you. Because, I mean, you do need to believe in yourself, but you get to a point where it's like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. So when he came into my life as my mentor, it kind of pushed me like, perked me up again and was like, okay, I can do this. And he kind of laid stuff out for me. Like you can be profitable and this is how, um, just broke it all down for me. Now, Andy mentioned uh, earlier about having a why do you, is that important in your business? Yes. Very important. Um, I am quick to fire clients and angels. <laughs> um, and that's because 
we support family structures that support themselves. Um, we are not there to be the mom and dad. Um, we're there to support the mom and dad that's already in the household. Um, we do the not important tasks so that you can attend soccer games and go to dinner for families and not feel stressed out coming back home and having to run the laundry. Um, so that business structure of serving families that serve themselves is very, very, very important. So now, um, how'd you kind of stumble upon that concept as a, a why that you're going to say, okay, these are the, the edges of what I'm willing and not willing to do. Um, I have had people that were like, Hey, I'll pay you next week. And next week never came. So I was like, all right, we got to stop there. <laughs> um, and then I've had people that I was on schedule for eight hours, end up working 12, 13, 14, getting paid like eight, $9 an hour. Um, which is good for a college student, but not good to support a life. Right. Um, so I've had like, that was a whole different road, but pretty much ran the family by myself. And I realized like I have a servant's heart, but there's a certain push to a point where it's like, okay, this is. Well, it, now they're <laughs> taking advantage. It's exactly. Not, it's not kind of a symbiotic. And I'm unhealthy. I can't take mm -hmm. care of myself because I'm not sleeping. I'm constantly, you know, right. over there. So that's like my in between so now now that your business is up and running but you're still going to school yes are you still going like should i go to school are you having a, is that a yeah boundary for yourself it is um because times are changing and i know my parents generation was go to college because you'll be successful if you go to college right. and now it's like will i even get a job if i graduate you know like in the fields that you go to college for um so I think it's taken a turn with you can be successful and like support a family without having a college degree if you work hard enough for it. Like he said, if you're there to grind for it, you'll get it. And there's a lot of people at Georgia State that are here because they have to be. Well, how many connections do you have in your business because you met them or getting coached by them or mentored by them through yes. the university? A lot. You might, <laughs> you might not have found them otherwise. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and I know I have, which is an amazing feeling that I do have the network, but I would, would, I would have found that without college, you know? Would you? Um, been hard. I mean, maybe you would have built it through your initial clients. Yes. I would, I mean, it's a little bit of both. Um, but I mean, I don't want to say college has not helped me, but I don't think most people, some people's past today are, do not require college. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's important to have like a backup plan. Um, if it all goes wrong. Um, but I also think it's more important to follow what you feel like you should be doing. So if you could do it again and you're uh, this kind of entrepreneurial, like if you can frame what your passion was as being an entrepreneur, maybe earlier, you might have chose a different path and maybe just went all in on this without going to college, you think? I think I would have chose a different path. However, if Ian and I was here when I first started college, I would have done that mm -hmm. versus just straight up business school. So coming across that program really was a game changer. It opened your eyes to a lot of different things. Yes. So there's people that actually care about what you do beyond college. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to find, right? Yeah. You need those on your corner. So now uh, what advice would you give that young person that's out there that's unsure what to do, what the future holds? Um, I would say, I wouldn't say don't listen to your parents, but I would also say listen to yourself. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm not saying disrespect your parents by any means. I love my parents and I honor my parents, but um, I know there's a lot of things that I felt that they didn't feel and they had to see before believing. Um, and I believed before I saw it. 
So I would say believe before that, you see for sure. That's faith, right? Yes, faith for <laughs> sure. Believe before you see. Um, yeah, just that faith and gut feeling that you need to go with. Um, and don't give up. There's plenty of times where, I know this is so cliche, but don't give up. There's so many times where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I have so much to do. I don't, I'm not even done with my work for today and yesterday, and I have to do tomorrow. And then how do you kind of keep that balance? Um, self-care is very important. I didn't realize that having a day off is very important. Um, I didn't have a day off for probably three to four years at all. Um, so you need to refill yourself before you need to fill your cup before you fill others. Um, cause if you em- you're empty, it's going to just trickle down to personal life, business life, everything. And then, uh, do you have a partner or this is your solo? Venture? Man, I wish I had a partner. <laughs> um, I've been look. I've opened and interested in a partner. I've actually looked into, um, what's it? Angel seed, um, for funding. Um, and I, w- I actually went to a meeting. You had to have like 250 K before even speaking to them. I was like, God, I'm not even close. Um, but I am, I'm, I'm open to a partner. I just want to have someone that sees the vision before, like sees the vision before the business in the sense of like finances. Um, I want someone that believes in our structure, before you know mm-hmm. chiming in so if they're out there how can they get a hold of you yes you have a website um, for angel assistance? <laughs> yes uh it's uh angelassistance.org and our email is contact at angelassistance.org um and then we also have our number 470-440-0778 as well well savannah thank you so much for sharing your story thank you i'm so happy to be here and you're looking for clients you're looking for partners you're looking um, for waiting on clients right now because we have a holding waiting list. on clients we need more <laughs> angels yes we definitely need more hard workers that are interested in getting their hands dirty and love kids and animals so. and then your vision is this something that's going to take over the world what how do you build the angel yes. assistance empire <laughs> um we are looking into franchising um i think it's about a year at least down the road to even get started i would love to have angel assistance atlanta angel assistance houston angel assistance new york and kind of have you talked to the franchising folks here at gsu i have not well you should definitely call they were on (laughs) listen to last month's episode i think we had somebody from franchising on i need to listen to that for sure we should talk savannah because because, uh, i've worked with clients who try and expand before they've actually maximize what they can do locally that they can control and it becomes a problem if they don't so people have ambitions to franchise and expand but they got to get their themselves stable and and uh and uh, on a on a scalable path before they do that to be successful elsewhere good yeah. stuff i'd be interested in having a partner that's uh expertise on franchising as well there you go so well, once if you're again, out there. They're, out there. <laughs> they're out there. I promise you that. Well, Savannah Samples, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on GSU ENI Radio. You're terrific. Oh. <laughs>